You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Blessed Holy Tuesday to you. Yes. We're going to We're going to chat about Holy Week, particularly we're going to talk about sacred music for Good Friday in just a moment with one of our sacred music experts. Looking forward to that chat. It is also about a week and a couple of days until mm. KFUO Shareathon 2022. Yes. So join us Thursday, Friday, Saturday next week. That's April 21st, 22nd, 23rd to partner with KFUO help tell the good news of Christ for you anytime anywhere maybe. You've been a, a um, KFUO day sponsor before. This is a good time to renew that. Mm-hmm. Or if you haven't been a day sponsor before, this is a good time to learn about that and join us as a KFUO day sponsor. Again, KFUO Shareathon April 21st through the 23rd. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, also for supporting the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us this morning, Chaplain Brian Hamer is active duty Navy chaplain and one of our sacred music experts. Always love our chats with you, Chaplain Hamer. Thanks so much for joining us this morning live for this Holy Tuesday. Andy and Sarah, good to be with you this Tuesday in Holy Week. Now it is, uh, so here in St. Louis, 9 a.m. Central, you're in Pacific time. So joining us nice and early at uh, 0700 this morning. (laughs) So thank you, Chaplain, for making some time for us in your uh, morning routine. We We are just in the middle of Holy Week. Well, tomorrow, I guess, technically will be the middle. Um... But Good Friday right around the corner, yes. and you have some sacred music for us to chat about um, for Good Friday. Before we get to that, where does Good Friday just fit in the whole liturgical calendar? What's the relationship of Good Friday to the rest of the church year, Chaplain? Herman Sasa, one of our theologians who died in 1976, had this to say, The wisdom of the cross, the word of the cross, the great stumbling block to the world, is the proper content of Christian preaching, the gospel itself. So thanks Luther and the Lutheran Church with him, unquote. In other words, the cross stands always at the center of our theology. Now simply apply that to the church here. We, of course, need Good Friday to say it is important is almost an understatement. But then Sasa continues, it does not mean that for the theologian, the whole church here shrinks to Good Friday. It rather means that one cannot understand Christmas, Easter, or Pentecost without Good Friday. Again, we cannot understand Christmas, Easter, or Pentecost without Good Friday. So, in Christmas, he is incarnate, that he may put that same body on the cross. And very important for this coming Sunday, Easter does not cancel Good Friday, nor is Easter supposed to be a time that we breathe a sigh of relief that the Lenten discipline is over. Rather, Easter says that the crucified one has risen, and then leaping ahead to Pentecost, Pentecost says that it is the crucified, risen, ascended, and reigning Christ who now sends the Holy Spirit, so that Good Friday is an interpretive key for every day in the church year. It is a great day in the church year. And one of the things that we typically hear on Good Friday and also just during the rest of Holy Week is the Passion of the Christ from one of the Gospels. How has the that Passion reading uh, or even musical Passion, as we'll get into in a minute, how has that been a part of uh, Holy Week since the early church? So Sarah, since probably the fourth century or so, give or, give or take, they have devoted 
one day a week to reading the entire Passion during Holy Week. And it's just a coincidence because the chapter divisions in the Bible come much later. Those are probably medieval. But in each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus' Passion is exactly two chapters. So in the case of St. John that we'll talk about today, it's chapters 18 and 19. And so from the earliest days of the church, they would devote Monday to St. Matthew, Tuesday to St. Mark, Wednesday to St. Luke, then skip Monday, Thursday, because you have your own communion propers and foot washing, and then St. John on Friday. Now, it's certainly fair game, especially since Palm Sunday has more or less become Passion Sunday for us today, that you could have any one of the Gospels on Good Friday. But as a rule of thumb, in the general scheme of church history, St. John has emerged as the focus for Good Friday. So at our church, for instance, as an active duty daily chaplain, I do not have a formal Sunday commitment, and we are privileged to go to Gloria Dei Lutheran Church in Escondido, California, just north of San Diego. And Pastor Horn is having a reading every day this week. So today at noon, he will read The Passion According to St. Mark, with uh, I anticipate with no commentary and no sermon. Maybe a simple opening liturgy of sorts and maybe a hymn stanza at the end. But just to tune in and to listen to St. Mark and knowing that this Passion of our Lord happened for us. The Passion is normally introduced this week with these words. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, and then an unadulterated, non-commentary reading of St. Mark, and then at the end, you who have suffered for us have mercy upon us, knowing it all happened for you. So you're ready to dig into some sacred music, reflecting <laughs> this great text, uh, the, the Passion for Holy Week for us? Absolutely. All right, before we dig into the sacred music, for those of us who maybe don't have a music background, there are some terms we need to define today. We've been doing this on Mental Health Mondays, and it's been very helpful. Um, so define, we need to define some terms before we get into too much musical language. So first one up, oratorio. What is an oratorio, Chaplain? An oratorio comes from the Latin word for prayer. And this is going to be a little easier to uh, define than aria, to be honest. There was some, somebody around the 14th century who actually had a chapel that was called the Oratory. And today in Europe, sometimes you will find a small prayer chapel, what you and I would probably call a prayer or meditation chapel, is called an Oratory. During Lent, of course, you would not have grand musical presentations, which especially means that the opera houses need to go quiet during that time. So what did they do? You take a sacred text, you can sing it. You might have an orchestra, but very important, you would not actually have an opera played out during Lent, let's say in 15th or maybe 16th century Europe. So those sacred texts with a choir and an orchestra, usually drawing upon biblical stories, that becomes an oratorio. So the passion that we'll look at today, the St. John Passion, that's a very specific type of oratorio. A friend of mine just up the road at USC put it this way. An oratorio is opera without a bunch of moving around. Hmm. And as long as you have a sacred text, that's actually pretty true. Yeah, I can see how that fits with the St. John Passion. That's interesting. So then you mentioned aria may be a little bit more complicated. So what is an aria? 
Well, aria simply means air, which may sound funny to us in English because I've never heard a melody and then drove home from church saying, man, that was a really good air this morning. (laughs) But for some reason, in Europe, air and melody have the same meaning. So aria means an air that is something that is melodic, but in very practical terms, it simply means a solo within the oratorio, which we will look at today from the St. John Passion. All right, let's dig in a little bit before we have to go to break. Uh, we're talking about St. John Passion. That was that was J.S. Bach. How did Bach approach uh, observation of the Holy Week in, in his musical life? J.S. Bach, of course, was the contour of St. Thomas Leipzig, and his years in Leipzig were 1723 to 1750. And I've mentioned several times, Andy and Sarah, in our interviews, how the Lord has really brought together theology and music. And even at the time, keep in mind, Bach was hired by the town council, not by the church per se. But God brought all this together for the flowering of sacred music. So Bach started there in 1723. But the expectation that there would be a passion set to music every Good Friday as part of the 3 o'clock p.m. Vespers, started in 1721. So just two years before Bach's arrival, that's when it actually went down in writing, that every Good Friday at 3 o'clock, we're going to have a passion set to music. Now, that was probably easy for somebody on the town council to say. But keep in mind, that passion means setting to music two complete chapters of one of the Gospels. And then in Bach's case, adding poetic texts that we'll look at today, and, of course, chorales to go throughout. So in the case of his St. John Passion, that's about two hours of music for Good Friday. In the case of his St. Matthew Passion, that is three hours of music. Now, that includes composing, copying, and he said at his home at the St. Thomas School Building, and his poor wife (laughs) and kids would be copying out the parts And then they'd have to rehearse all of this and have it ready to go on Good Friday. It is an absolutely mind-blowing, massive, massive project uh, to get all that together. And yet that was expected every Good Friday. Now, to be sure, he did not have to compose a new passion every year for 27 years. He could repeat and revise a passion that he already composed. Sometimes they would sing a passion by a previous composer, But every Good Friday at 3 o'clock p.m., you must have a complete passion set to music. And one scholar said that this passion set to music was, without question, the musical high spot of the church year. We're taking a look at sacred music of Holy Week, particularly the passion, St. John Passion from J.S. Bach. We're talking with Chaplain Brian Hamer, active duty Navy chaplain. We have more to share with you in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Peter escaping prison in Acts chapter 12. And we'll respond to your email, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the Issues Etc. comment line 618-223-8382. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Tuesday's Rumination Law and Gospel will include both myself, Tom Baker, and Mark Smith in preparing you to sing the hymn of the week for the following Sunday, which always focuses on the salvation won for us by the life, death, and resurrection of both Jesus and through Him, our death and resurrection. Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. Blessed Holy Tuesday. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking the sacred music of Holy Week with Chaplain Brian Hamer, particularly the St. John Passion, J.S. Box, St. John Passion. And we have certainly clarified that Oratorio is a musical piece, not a musical cookie. So we're all much uh, more educated <laughs> now. So thank you for setting us straight on that, Chaplain Hamer. Now, before we went to the break, we were talking about uh, the St. John Passion, Bach St. John Passion, and his observation of Holy Week, how he approached this. Now, you have prepared an article that is forthcoming at uh, whatdoesthismean.org. I believe that's coming out probably, what, this Friday for Good Friday uh, to help us learn more about the sacred music. Tell us about the piece that you chose for this, and forgive my poor German, Es ist Wohlbracht. Did I get that right? Close. Close? Yeah. Perfect. Good job. (laughs) So tell us about this piece. Why um, did you choose this? Yeah. Well, in one word, it is finished. This aria for alto, or possibly a male alto, known as a countertenor, it is finished. The contrast within this aria is absolutely magnificent. So it's inserted, and recall we have John 18 and 19 set to music, and then the librettist, that's the person who actually put the text together to insert along the way within John 18 and 19, I want this poetic text here, I want this chorale to go here. He inserts it in the middle of John 19, verse 30. So we're toward getting toward the end of Jesus' Passion now, and the English text reads, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Now, with those three words in English, it is finished, you basically stop. The alto stands up with just a couple instrumentalists, and they sing this particular aria, again, this melody or solo. And then the text continues, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Again, it is Jesus saying salvation is accomplished. All is fulfilled. The sins are atoned for. What better place to stop and insert an aria. And as an aside, and I hope some of the preachers resonate with this, if you could be the pastor, the actual preacher at St. Thomas Leipzig, think about this. You've had two hours of box music 
morales and poetic texts inserted throughout there was a sermon however within the saint john passion about halfway through a stop and then the preacher preaches a sermon my question is what do you say <laughs> and the, the person who edits my all my columns dr jane hetrick from redeemer lutheran of bayside new york she and i had this uh, debate uh, many a time is it really necessary or appropriate to actually preach on the passion? Well, you certainly can. There is something to be said, however, for letting the reading of the passion and the hymns carry the day. Well, be that as it may, we have an aria inserted on the words, um, it is finished. And the first part of the aria, it is finished. O comfort for suffering human souls, the night of mourning now counts the final hour. I know we'll dig into the text in a minute, but that part has very lean instrumentation. You hear just one solo voice and a few strings, and it goes very slowly in a minor key and is, of course, very solemn. And then it breaks into a very different part. It goes into a major key, a lively three, four meter with fanfare motifs. It sounds very triumphant, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where the text, the hero from Judah triumphs with power and closes the battle. It is finished. And then they recap a little bit of the solemn section. It is finished. So the contrast there is absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. Bach was just an absolute genius with how he would use music to uh, to just paint these beautiful pictures of what the text is and there, there are so many moments in the entire passion that that you you know what you know what they're saying even if you don't understand the german you know what's happening just because of the way bach is able to to use those musical moments in in that way let's unpack the text a little bit more tell us more about what we learn uh, through the the text of this aria Absolutely. So the first section says, It is finished. O comfort for suffering human souls. As we listen to the Passion, hopefully throughout this week, again, starting with Matthew on Monday and possibly ending with John um, on Friday, O comfort for suffering human souls, I hope that folks will always ask themselves, How does this comfort me? And when you see Jesus going to the cross and you hear him crying his seven last words, it's probably pretty obvious how that comforts us. But also, even the more solemn portions, such as the release of Barabbas, Peter's denial, Judas' betrayal, even in there, there is plenty of comfort for suffering human souls, so that Barabbas is set free and becomes an image of us, for we are the guilty ones who are set free by Christ. Peter denied Jesus as we have often denied him by our sins, and yet in Christ we are still confessed by the Father to be his true children. And even Judas, yes, who betrayed Jesus, well, we have betrayed him in a way by our own sin and rebellion against God, and yet for us there is forgiveness not with 30 pieces of silver, but by Jesus' holy, precious blood. Again, oh, comfort for suffering human souls. The text continues, the night of mourning now counts the final hour. Again, the night of mourning, M-O-U-R, now counts the final hour. So instead of sinners such as you and I counting down to our final hour and possibly being in doubt about our salvation, 
that night of mourning, that entire reign of sin and death, that's the one that gets to count down to the final hour. And in this particular case, that final hour is, of course, 3 o'clock on Good Friday. As Jesus cries, it is finished. So that's the solemn section with an instrument known as the viola de gamba, very soft six-string instrument that many of us probably have never heard or seen before. And when that's inserted at just that one point in the St. John Passion, it really stands out. And you might have to lean in a little bit during a live performance in order to hear it, but it will be worth it. We then go to the second section where all the strings come in. We switch to a major key, a lively 3-4 meter, and we get this text. The hero from Judah triumphs with power and closes the battle. That's sometimes translated the lion from the tribe of Judah triumphs of power and closes the battle. And cannot stress enough that Jesus is victorious and triumphant over our sin, over our death, over the powers of hell itself, even in his death as he closes his eyes on Good Friday. Now, fast forward a couple of days. Easter will proclaim that victory in all its fullness. But what I like about these strings suddenly coming in and that fanfare motif, it leaves no doubt, as you were saying, Sarah, even if you don't understand all the German, as I don't, I need a translation in front of me. There is no doubt here that Jesus is the one who has triumphed over sin and death for us. Anything else about Bach's musical treatment of the text or how he expresses the text musically before we go on to my next question, which is unscripted. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. As you, as you listen to the words, it is finished, which you get to hear all about six or seven times. You hear it from the evangelist, then you hear it from the soloist, and then it ends again from the soloist. I invite those who are willing to tune in or just, just find a good recording of the St. John Passion, find the English subtitles if, if you need it. It's a very simple descending motif. And when he uses that descending motif, a melody that's going down, it's almost as if Jesus is being placed into the grave or perhaps in this particular case, since we're not at the burial just yet. It's a musical expression of Jesus bowing his head a descending line with a gentle decrescendo. You mentioned listen to it if you get the opportunity. Uh, we will be sharing it here on Friday, on Good Friday. We'll go to special programming for Good Friday because we'll share the St. John Passion in the morning during this time, actually, on yes. Friday. And then Friday afternoon, we have the Treore service live here in St. Louis. Where else might you hear? W- would you typically hear this aria um, outside of the oratorio, or is it, do you usually listen to the entire oratorio together? Is it usually presented together? Like, I know, you know, oratorio is written primarily for church. Now you might hear them in concert halls as well, because it's Bach. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> would would you hear this piece just as a, a specific selection, or would it typically only be heard in the full oratorio? In my experience, this one is generally heard within the oratorio. And I'd, be, I'd love to hear other stories from our listeners about if they've heard this extracted from the piece. And the challenge is this. So I just have to ask yourself, if I were to take this aria out of the oratorio and sing it as part of, say, a recital or maybe as a responsory to a scripture lesson on Good Friday, would it actually 
fit. I think textually it would. You could stop again in the middle of John 19, verse 30, and sing this, and I think it would work. However, it's also very difficult, and most of us do not have, if you look at your collection of handbells and music and the ninth grader who has a trumpet, not many folks are keeping the viola de gamba on hand these days for, for church music. And that may be the real challenge of being able to insert this someplace. So in my experience, I've only heard this as part of the entire St. John Passion. We have just about a minute left, so hopefully this isn't too big of a question for one minute. Uh, as we're approaching Good Friday, what are some of the, the highlight, the key moments that we should be listening for, uh, whether in this area or just in the, in the Passion uh, in general? What are some of those key moments we should be listening for as we tune in on Friday morning on KFUO? For the St. John Passion, I start with the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Mm -hmm. have a wonderful opening chorus, and listen for the, the pathos, that is the emotional and powerful expression in two oboes that are clashing throughout in a text based on Psalm 8, that great is Christ around the world, and his renown is, um, I'm paraphrasing here, that his renown is great, and a wonderful opening chorus. And then go to the end, the final chorale of the St. John Passion, is the third stanza of Lord, thee I love with all my heart that begins, Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home. And I encourage the listeners to clear away all distractions, find the English translation, of course, if you need it. And I know it's a lot to sit and listen for two hours, but know as you do that it happened for you. If I could close with one quote, somebody said, we do not hear the sermons of Luther. We read them. We do, however, hear Bach's sermons. The works of other great musicians speak to us, but the works of Bach preach to us. And I hope that will be our experience this Friday as we behold the life-giving cross on which was hung the salvation of the world. Chaplain Brian Hamer, active duty Navy chaplain. You can find his article at whatdoesthismean.org this Friday, Good Friday. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today, Chaplain Hamer. Thank you, Andy and Sarah. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 800-844-0524-KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere.